When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And that's why you don't, you know, eat Chinese food when you're in R- Regina. Carter comes up shooting. Welcome to Toronto Sport Matters podcast number 57, where I'm joined in studio at the Hard House Studios at the University of Toronto with Christian Wolfgang Grathen. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm all right. Gearing up for the holiday season, buying a bunch of shit. I'm very like, like I don't put a lot of thought in my gifts. And I try really hard to, but I always leave it to last minute. I think a lot of people like think throughout the context of the entire year and try to find that ideal gift for someone. And I'm like, just like scrambling last minute, freaking the fuck out, trying to find something for for my parents or my friends or my loved ones, etc. So I have a funny gift story quickly. Um, I usually am like you. I do the exact same thing. I'm always like the guy who like gets last minute gifts. This year I was trying to be like super organized and I got my girlfriend a Vitamix, which she's really wanted. And I got it like in November. So I've been hiding it the whole time. (laughs) And out of nowhere, she goes on Kijiji two days ago and decides to buy a fucking Vitamix. Jesus Christ. For herself. First of all, who buys themselves a gift? before this close to Christmas. That, that's a dangerous game to play. And second of all, now we're going to have two fucking Vitamixes because one's from Amazon Prime and the other's from Kijiji. So right. uh, we'll see. We have to re-gift one or something. But uh, yeah, it's like it's like day, Yeah, re-gift it. Like remember in old school when Will Ferrell gives yeah, like Luke Wilson the bread, the bread maker, but he keeps like re-gifting it over and over and over again. Yeah. Just like re-gift the Vitamix to somebody. It's a good re-gift. Yeah, hey. there we go. Uh, I'm, I don't have a blender in my house. So there we go. There's someone you can obviously yeah, give your we'll blender see. to. It's $500. <laughs> <laughs> Do I like you that much? All right, uh, let's get to the topic at hand. Toronto Raptors basketball obviously the team had a very very impressive win over the Golden State Warriors unfortunately dropping two games to the Denver Nuggets as well as the Portland Trailblazers so one and two in our last three but overall the team does look pretty fantastic still number one in the NBA at 23 and nine however there's a couple teams sort of graduate gaming steam obviously we just mentioned the Denver Nuggets and the Golden State Warriors Nuggets eight and two in the last 10 Warriors seven and three in their last 10 getting everyone back Draymond Steph Curry etc uh so a little bit of cause for concern. We did have a three and a half game lead over the uh, the Bucks. Now it's about a game and a half right now. A um, lot of injuries as well. What's your impression of the team just after the quarter season mark, approaching the third of the season? Um, do you think we're regressing as an organization, or do you think we're kind of still carrying the momentum we had to start the regular season? I think we're doing really well. I think we're carrying the momentum in the sense that we just finished the West Coast road trip that we traditionally are terrible at. Um, we went six and two 
uh, on the road trip. We don't have to do it again, like I just said. And again, there's so many injuries on the Raptors right now, like between Valanchunas and the whole Lowry slash... You know, Pascal Siakam, you know, miss a game as well. Yeah, and, and Kawhi as well. They're sitting him a lot. So it's it, it's going to be tough for them. It's going to be a tough stretch. So games like Denver, where, you know, they're banged up. First of all, I think Denver just matches up really well against the Raptors. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we have to face them again for the rest Why of the season. Why does Denver match up so well? Because obviously we've lost two games them so far this season. We are the early season darlings, you know, a lot of team predicting us to go to the NBA Finals. But how is a team like Denver being able to take us out twice this season? I mean, in my mind, has been Jokic single-handedly pretty much both times. I mean, I know Jamal Murray kind of went off in the fourth quarter and he started off getting a lot of points on himself. But again, they've taken advantage, at least the last game, they took advantage of where we were injured mm-hmm. and they really attacked it. They went right after Lowry or I guess DeLon and, and Van Vliet. Right. And Kawhi had a great game. I think mm-hmm. it was 28 and 14 or something like that. Right. But... I mean, you look what happened. He didn't get any foul calls, really. Like mm-hmm. We went one for 13, I think, from three-point line in the second half. The game against Denver kind of highlights how the Raptors' season's gone. When we don't shoot well from the three-point line, we tend to not win. Right. It's and also the dependency on depth of an organization, having you know like a 10-man, 11-man team, you know, six men on the bench that can sort of play in a majority of situations at any given moment in the game. And then, but as opposed to a team like the Nuggets, who do have depth, but, you know, they have a lot more skill players. Like, obviously, Kawhi Leonard is the best player amongst both teams, but you talk about, like, you know, Harris. You also talk about Will Barton, who wasn't playing. I don't believe he was, was he in the game, but still, like, having Yochik, Paul Millsap, Jamal yeah. Murray is emerging as a pretty talented player this year. It's just they have so many guys that can impact the team, the game offensively, as opposed to the Raptors, who probably have two guys realistically that have the same sort of impact. No, I agree. So, a question for you on that then. What do you think is more important? than like in the playoffs because we talk about shortening the bench though that's what I'm saying in the playoffs traditionally so people have to say, shorten the bench I would have to so say Denver's model uh, yeah. probably on paper would be more successful based on previous teams or you know what's happened in the past you know Raptors do have depth Clippers do have depth but the Clippers are another team that are kind of tumbling down you know what I mean depth doesn't necessarily dictate victories or results uh, you need to have you know four or five guys that can completely put the ball in the basket on any given night yeah, but I mean, I guess overall, just to go back to the whole, you know, how do I feel about the road trip thing or how do I feel about the Raptors this far in the season? I feel great. Like you said, they're first in the NBA right now. Um, they've dealt with injuries. Uh, they don't have to go on the West Coast again. Uh, everything to me looks good. There's a few points, and I know we're going to talk about them a little bit later, that I think are a little bit concerning, like sort of like the fourth quarter and the bench not playing well. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, it's hard to be critical of the team right now. I think that they're good. They don't really need to pick up anything trade-wise, uh, in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, all things are go. Maybe yeah. another bench score. You think so? Maybe like a Jeremy Lin or something something like that in that capacity. You Someone, just want Jeremy Lin on You know the what? We're, Christian and I are both half Asian, so yes, I do want Jeremy Lin always on the team. No, but maybe like a, a good like heat check score off the bench. Maybe even J.R. Smith. I know the what contract about, about, is ridiculous, but... What about uh, Mr. Mello, who's just sitting at home right now? I'm going to take a hard pass on Carmelo <laughs> you there. you want to score? Uh, n- not an inefficient score. Someone who could drain the three-point shot on a regular basis. Mm, okay, okay. okay. Uh, I saw wait. a stat the other day that said the biggest, the highest per in the history of the NBA is Boban Marjanovic. So maybe we should get just like someone who's really good at high per. 
That, that gangly freak. Sorry, I'm just kidding, Bobon. I love you. Um, all right, so looking at tomorrow's matchup, the Toronto Raptors are playing the Indiana Pacers. Um, Indiana Pacers are having a pretty stellar season as well. 20-10, and 10, third in the Eastern Conference. Uh, what's your impression of this game? What do you think the Raptors need to do to ensure victory over Indiana? Um, you're obviously looking at a pretty... Um, well-rounded organization, maybe again a little top-heavy like the Denver Nuggets. Uh, how's that matchup look in your eyes? Um, to me, I mean, they've won their last seven games, and Oladipo was out for a good chunk of it, and they kept doing well. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that he's back, I mean, uh, Indiana's a scary team. For me, they've always been a sleeper team. Uh, I know that we beat them in the playoffs that one year, so that we've kind of the Raptors have sort of like you know brushed them off, or fans, I guess, sort of have. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's a scary team. I mean, their defense is so good. Right now, they're first in basically opponent points in the NBA. So their defense, it's, I think for me, it's Nate McMillan. The, he's got sort of a... Who was, who was cast off a couple of years ago? You know, not many people are giving him much of a shot as a head coach again. And he came in and really you know, installed a strong defensive uh, strategy. Uh, he's like Dwayne Casey in a way. Right, right? Right. He has that same sort of philosophy. I well, think. it's the impact that a defensive-minded coach can have toward a, the identity of an organization. It's a complete opposite of the NFL. You look at the NFL right now and defensive coaches or relics in the past, like Steve Wilkes in the Arizona Cardinals, for example. Yep. You know, you need to have uh, an, an innovative offensive mind to thrive in the NFL. But the NBA, on the other hand, you know, I think it's very important to have someone who can, you know, strategize and be a tactician on the defensive side of the ball. You, it's great to have Nick Nurses, but again, like Dwayne Casey, and again, we just mentioned Nick McMillan, you know, are very integral toward, you know, helping out young franchises, especially. Like yeah, it, it absolutely helps that you have two versatile big men with Sabonis and Miles Turner, who have both kind of, you know, come to fruition, I guess, this year. They've both had... I think Miles Turner had a pretty bad year last year. We, we would all agree based on like his his projection of where he thought he'd go in his rookie season, and then this year he's kind of turned it back on. He's still he's not where season. ideally people would think he would be in what year three or four. But again, he's better than he was last year. So there's progression, right? Right, which, it, is, which is good to see. It is, it is. But we have mentioned before, like remember when the Paul George for Oladipo and Sabonis trade went down? Many people are kind of predicting. We've mentioned this on the podcast before that Miles Turner would be that sort of focal point offensively, face the organization type. Obviously, Oladipo turned the corner, became a superstar. But for me, though, it's the two. It's the fact that the two of them are so like they're pretty quick, and right, right. They can switch, and it's hard to cover them offensively, to be honest. Especially Sabonis, he's so tricky, mm-hmm. and he's averaging more rebounds and more points right now than Miles Turner this year. Yeah, yeah, He's we're looking at it right job. now. We got uh, Sabonis averaging 14 points per game and Miles Turner at 12.7. Yeah, but Sabonis averaging a double-double this season. You know, he is not the greatest outside shooter, clearly averaging 0.2 attempts per game. It but it's great, yeah. exactly, and it's incredible that him and Thaddeus Young can complement each other so well in the low post as well as Miles Turner. Uh, quick question, who won the Paul George trade? In retrospect, even inclusion of Paul George re-signing with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Honestly, I'd, I'd say it was one of the most fair trades that ended up mm-hmm. turning out. And it's funny because obviously everybody thought it was one-sided, but uh, I mean, I guess the credit has to go to to Indiana, mm-hmm. and I guess you, I'd give them the edge because nobody Petrie thought somewhere. that they'd be they'd be coming out of that. But look, Oladipo. Uh, it's kind of hard to explain where he came from. He, he had a lot of chances to be the guy. He was in Orlando. He was in the Thunder. Like, he, he was, you know, he was not an overlooked player. He's always been highly touted. I don't know why he's doing so well in Indiana, but it just seems to be the perfect place for him. But to me, Indiana's scary. Like I said, it, it's defense. Uh, the Raptors are going to have a hard time, even though we're finally coming home uh, from this long road trip. I, I think it'll be a tough game. Uh, I, I want to say it's a trap game, but the Raptors should be winning this game at home, especially if Lowry plays. 
Yeah, exactly. It's just the, and the importance of having that secondary scoring. You know, if you get all, you know, Kyle and Kawhi on the court with Siakam, our full roster can compete with anyone in the NBA. Uh, moving down the list, uh, Nick Nurse got fined $15,000 the other day for critical comments about refing. Um, obviously, it was against the Nuggets and it was regarding Kawhi Leonard getting beat up. I'll read a quote right here quickly. Uh, this is Nick Nurse saying, You can't tell me that one of the best players in the league takes 100 hits and shoots four free throws and they handed him two for charity at the end. So he was going to have two free throws for the game with all the physical hits and holding and driving and chucking and doubling and slapping and reaching, etc., etc., etc. First of all, what do you like this? Do you like Nick Nurse getting fired up, uh, sticking up for his teammates? Obviously, it's a positive sign, right? I, I love it, honestly. I think it's great. He's speaking on behalf of Kawhi. Kawhi doesn't speak. Mm-hmm. I mean, he does, because we've seen him speak to the media, and you see him speak all the time, but he's a very soft speaker. He doesn't like to speak out on things like this. Right. He's basically doing it on behalf of Kawhi. It was pretty obvious if you watch the game that he was getting hacked a lot, and I don't, I don't think it was really just that game, and I think they said it as well, but mm-hmm. it's more like it was a culmination of the whole season right. and how they feel like what's been happening. So yeah, 100%, that actually, I think, even affects how calls will be made on Kawhi moving forward. Do you think the team is lacking verbal leadership, especially in the locker room? I don't. I really you know, don't. You don't think, because like, you know, think about the Warriors, how that Bulldog and Draymond Green, um, well, someone who can command like a strong voice in the locker room, a lot of respect. I don't think we have that. Maybe Kyle Lowry, but... I think there's a difference though between like a respected voice in the locker room and like someone who yells in the locker room a lot. Mm-hmm. Because you're right, if anyone, it'd be Kyle Lowry, but I think someone like Danny Green is a perfect example of someone who's absolutely like looked up to and is even CJ Miles took the, you know, the bench dad role, mm-hmm. so to speak. I, I don't know. I, I think the Raptors have a great culture. It's Lorenzo Brown holding it down in the locker room for us. Um <laughs> So moving down the list, we talk about our depth. We're going to get another guy back into the rotation. That is Norman Powell, who's missed approximately 20 games um, coming back from injury. Uh, Before he was injured, he was averaging five points per game in just under 15 minutes of play. Uh, What's your impression of Norman coming back? Is he going to become a very important piece of the rotation and work his way back into the rotation? Or is it going to be another relapse like last season where he's going to be relegated to the bench and really do next to nothing when it comes to contributing to the team's uh, offense and defense? Well, I think that Nick Nurse is someone who really likes Powell. And I think that just simply because of that, we saw early in the season him get a a lot more chances. Uh even almost as much as CJ, if not more. Last game, CJ started, just based on the injuries and everything that was happening. So, yeah, I can see Norman Powell stepping in and at least taking a pretty big role. Kawhi can play any position, pretty much. So it's not like we have to start him at the three. Mm -hmm. Um, Danny Green's the two, and if Kyle's back, he's the one. So, yeah, I I can honestly see him getting at least 20 minutes. Um, We'll probably ease him into the rotation, but... Mm -hmm. If if Valanciunas is still out and and all is 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 going with our rotation, I don't know. I'd rather him than CJ Miles right now, just because I feel like CJ forces so many shots. Although he's been playing a lot better lately, Norman Powell does have that potential. Plus, we're paying him enough money, the eleven mm-hmm. million dollars a year, where we kind of have to make sure he's good. And if we can build him up to be a trade asset for the trade deadline, that's someone who I can see us offloading for a, another score, like you said. like uh, Well, that's what I was mentioning, though. E- but like even before the trade, Norman Powell does have the potential to evolve into that type of player we are kind of mentioning beforehand. That sort of, a little bit streaky, but high offensive upside, so similar in vain to a poor man's Lou Williams or something, right? Well, I guess, I guess my point is I'd rather have a, 
a, a like a shooter than a slasher. Yeah, especially with the stagnation. I won't say stagnation, but um, I haven't seen much improvement from OG and Anobi when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. He has been efficient. He's been a good defensive player this year. But I was thinking that he might have turned a corner, maybe averaged something closer to double digits in points. Um, so is this is this your first critique of OG and Anobi? This like are you talking about like, right now? I think this is the first time you've critiqued him. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just it, it, I've seen him miss so many open threes this season. He doesn't really he show hits a it. lot too. He does, he does. But I just like when fourth quarter down by three balls in OG's hands. I'm fucking shitting my pants, man. To be completely yeah, honest, but with again, you. he's probably the the fourth or fifth option on the floor. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he should be really having the ball in his hand. Yeah, you're right. I I don't think fourth quarter is also where he should be playing unless it's like a defensive situation but you're right I agree with you fully I, I, I agree with the critique and I was going to say something as well it was going to be my hot take to be honest but OG is disappointing me honestly mm-hmm. like overall his progression hasn't been as high as I thought um, you're right he's athletic he's great defensively but I'm starting to wonder if that's all he's going to be Truth be told, though, there's probably five or six guys in that draft in 2017 that I would realistically take over OG and Anobi. And we did take OG at 23, but it's just, you know, going from last season, we were kind of thinking that he was going to be an integral piece of the team moving forward, maybe an offensive crater um, to someone who is going to be a starter, but maybe more in the Pascal Siakam mold, as opposed to someone who can, you know, we can build a team around. Well, now that you've seen how good Pascal Siakam is, and the fact that we have, you know, Danny Green and... Who knows? Maybe Kawhi does stay. Mm-hmm. Would OG be someone that you look to trade possibly at this trade deadline, or would you wait until Kawhi's decision is made next year? If we can get in a guy that because you get great value from someone, like I'm OG. talking about. I'm only trading OG and Anobi if we're getting comparable value to a guy like Jimmy Butler, for example. I'm looking wow. at superstars or all NBA upside. I would not trade him for a one-year bench depth kind of guy. So is there anybody on a team that's not really going to make the playoffs right now that you can think of off the top of your head that's, you know, would be someone that is looking to rebuild, you know, like a New York Knicks or something like that, mm-hmm. that has a piece that you'd actually want back that could affect this season? Because again, you kind of have to make a backup plan, You're in my mind, for if Kawhi leaves. Right. So it, I don't know if OG is... The future. Um, Siakam clearly is going to be very, very, very good. So mm-hmm. why not, you know, take advantage of him when he's almost at his highest potential, if, if you even think he is right now? Right. But yeah, is there anybody you're thinking of? Drew Holiday. Depending on how the Pelicans go right now, they're currently 15 and 16 in a pretty stacked Western Conference. Obviously, they want to get assets back. Obviously, they want to appease Anthony Davis. So, trading Drew Holiday might not be the most realistic option for the Pelicans, but that would be the type of player that I would realistically consider trading for OG. It'd probably have to be like OG and like DeLon. Right, right. But that's what I mean, though. Like, I'm not asking for like, you know, um, LeBron James. You know, I'm looking for even like. Fucking DeMar DeRozan. Let's go get him, get him back, right? January 15th? <laughs> I know. It's, see, the thing is, when you look at our starting five, though, when we're fully healthy, yeah. with 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 Lowry, Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, Siakam, and Valanchunas, mm-hmm. or, or Abaka, you know, where does another good player fit in? Oh, you're right. You're right. Especially like, when it comes where, to Who would you want to replace in that? And DeMar DeRozan wouldn't be the kind of guy that could easily... Sl- like, fuck, I can't remember. I'm not even going to talk about this right now. <laughs> Trading for DeMar DeRozan back. Let's move down the <laughs> list. Um, the LA Clippers are, uh, I think, bags of shit for sending Lawrence Frank and uh, executives to the ACC or the Scotiabank Center now oh, yeah. to uh, oh, scout out Kawhi Leonard. Like, he went himself. It wasn't, it wasn't scout. It was him. It was just a dirtbag. He move. was there and he's like, hey, how's it going? And then yeah, Kawhi yeah. apparently 
Didn't even notice it was him and just passed by him. Your and team at said, one point this season was the was? top dog in the Western <laughs> Conference. The team is on a recent slide, but they were a pretty respectable organization coming into the last week or something. Focus on the fucking team at hand. Don't focus on potentially getting Kawhi Leonard lurking in the rafters at Toronto like the fucking Phantom of the Opera, you creep. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's like, to me, like I get it. They have the cap room, I suppose. And Kawhi wants to play in LA, I suppose. But I, I, I honestly don't get it. Why would you have to send a scout, first of all, to watch Kawhi when you you know kind of what you're getting? You, you can watch him on TV. Uh... And there's a fear of getting caught, which they did. It's so to me, it doesn't make any sense. If I were Kawhi, I'd want to go there a little bit less. <laughs> yeah, for just sure. Because of something like this. Plus, I honestly think the Clippers. Like I know we talked about last week how you thought the Clippers were, were pretty good. Tobias, I think the Clippers are a pretender type team. I don't think they're going to be able to to sustain this throughout the year, and I don't think they're going to even finish as a playoff team. To be, I think Tobias Harris is playing fantastic basketball. He's walking into a max contract next year, but I think the secondary pieces like Daniel Gallinari. Do you think he's worth a max a, ma- a max contract? Again, like he's like take Tobias Harris for example, and take Demar Derozan for example. Okay, the reason why a guy like Otto Porter Jr. got a max contract is that he's such a complementary piece to a currently existing roster yeah. or scheme. And Demar Derozan, I don't think will get a max contract similar to a guy like Kevin Love because you need to create your offense, structure everything around that one specific guy. And the reason yeah. why Tobias Harris, I think, will get a max contract is because he's that guy that can slide in like Otto Porter and just make a current existing roster that much better. Going into Portland, for example, or going into a litany of other teams, we can even say the New Orleans Pelicans, he can come in and be an integral piece to a potential championship team. That's why I think Tobias Harris will get a max contract. Okay, then, okay. Fair point. Question for you then. If they do sign Kawhi, let's just say, do you think that they could still give Tobias Harris that max contract? I think he'd or be a little. for a second superstar? I think he'd be, yeah, I think they'd be a little redundant to get Tobias Harris and Kawhi Leonard. I'd obviously. Like they have enough money, though, to sign two max contracts. Right. That's I, the thing. I, I don't, I, I wouldn't go after Tobias Harris. If you're, if, if Kawhi Leonard is your number one guy, you don't yeah. have any complimentary pieces. Tobias Harris is a good player. He's a good third guy, though. Okay, so but 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 see that by my that logic exactly, I don't think he's a max player kind of contract. A third a comp, you're telling me that to to win a championship, he's going to be the third best player on the team, yet he deserves max money. It's hard to give three players max money. We saw it with, well, we've seen it with lots of teams. I mean, unless those players are absolutely unbelievable, mm-hmm. like LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, right? Like right. it's very hard to do that. And I don't think Tobias Harris even remote. Like if anything. They're kind of stuck, I think. And I think they're going to be forced to give him a max contract or else the Clippers go back to being the Clippers of old and they're going to be terrible. Well, they did offer him that, what was it, three-year 80 million? Yeah, and he rejected it. Yeah. Um, He wants max money. That's the thing. Okay, so another question. If you think if he does not get offered by the Clippers, another team will give him the max? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Interesting. For sure, for sure. Like I, I think it's max. I think it's is, a mistake. I think it's a twenty-eight, twenty-nine million dollar max as well. It's not like a John Wall forty-four million. I mean, I guess when you consider Otto Porter Jr., Andrew Wiggins, these type of players have max deals. I guess he's better than them. 
That's for sure. In yeah, my exactly. Mind. Like if, so if Otto right. Porter Jr. is getting that money, then I'm sure should right. or someone's going to offer it him at least. Right? The only problem is Otto Porter Jr. and the Washington Wizards are never winning a championship. And he also was signed <laughs> in the 2016 when the salary cap eventually stagnated. Um, okay, so let's go to general NBA news. We'll yeah, start that, off with... That's enough Clippers. Enough, enough Clippers. <laughs> Deep Clippers talk. Um, so obviously we can talk about NBA trades potentially happening after the trade restriction was lifted. Um, so we'll start this one off. It's not even a trade. Um, it's Jabari Parker who unfortunately was relegated to the bench. What's the new Bulls coach, Boylan? Yeah, Jim, Jim Boylan. Uh, Jim, Jim Boylan, okay. Uh, it, I, it makes, it, I was questioning the decision initially, but you got to look it on paper. He's got to give minutes to Laurie Markkanen. That's the centerpiece foundation of the organization. Sure. And Bobby Portis sure. is probably a more efficient player overall than Jabari Parker. Jabari Parker, on paper, stated he does not want to play defense, right? <laughs> that was so, a while ago. So, at the end of the day, though, Jabari Parker is a pretty limited player. He's like a younger but very similar guy to Carmelo Anthony. I think that's a fair sort of comparison to make. You think so? I don't know. He's- Defensive liability, mid-range shooter, not competent outside shooter, takes plays off. Slow, not efficient. Not fleet of foot, not very athletic. I mean, it's weird how they even picked him up in the first place thinking he would be, but yeah, go on. Okay, so Jabari Parker, potentially a free agent or trade ship moving forward. What team realistically could bring him in and look, make him look relatively decent? New, yeah, New Orleans, like the the Jazz have been thrown out there a few times. See, that, that's the uh, so the one I heard was the Jazz, and I'm honestly kind of shocked to be honest with you that the Jazz would have interest in someone like Jabari Parker. Um, I could see the Lakers looking at someone like Jabari. Well, Parker. what about let's go back to the Jazz for a second. What about like a, a like a one for one flip of Derek Favors for Jabari Parker? Obviously, I, the, I like don't that, like that for I don't like that for the Jazz though. But but the big. By the way, big win for the Leafs tonight, seven two against the Devils. Um, two nice. But Rudy, okay. So the whole thing with the Rudy Gobert, Derek Favors front court is two big, physically imposing centers essentially who can't drain the three point shot. Okay. Yeah, but it works. It's not. It's not working this season though. Is the issue, and that's what I'm kind of more getting at. Well, it's defensively it works. Jabari Parker, do you think is beside Rudy Gobert? Would would that be the saving grace for the Utah Jazz, no, or is it, a, it? You don't think Rudy Gobert can compensate for Jabari Parker's defensive defensive liability? I absolutely do think he's he's good enough at that, but I don't think Jabari Parker is good enough or efficient enough offensively to be put in that rotation and mm-hmm. and, and, and be effective. Honestly, I he's kind of that guy who needs the ball. I, the Jazz, to me, are like the least likely of a fit because they like to pass a lot. They like to, you know, it's very team ball oriented, the, the whole style of their game. And it's very defensive. So Jabari Parker just doesn't fit that mold in any way. I guess what you're saying is he could be the offensive spark in a defensive team. I just don't see him being that guy. I'd rather go I'm, for someone I, and, else and as an offensive let, spark. Let me, let me state this. Clearly, I'm grasping at straws trying to find a home for Jabari Park at this point because if I was going to pick a team, the NBA that realistically could, you know, help him in would be the Chicago Bulls. Like he could probably fit him, but now he's, you know, on the bench now. So another team that would make sense to me was the Phoenix Suns, but I don't know. Like DeAndre Aiden does have defensive lapses, and uh, they need I don't a know. Point guard, right? I guess who did they just get again? In... Yeah, but the, we'll, we'll talk about the trade in a second. Okay. Um, but uh, another guy that comes to mind, and, and can you, I, I challenge you right now, Christian, to tell me one team in the NBA, okay, currently in the playoff pitcher, that realistically could bring in Kevin Love in the fold and still be the same team, if not better. In my mind, 
I could see someone like the Mavericks bringing in someone like Kevin Love, and it would sort of fit with that system. DeAndre Jordan Harrison Barnes? What do you mean? How does he fit into their team? Is he off the bench? No, Harrison Barnes is a small forward. Luka Doncic's a small forward. Yeah, but Harrison Barnes could go to the bench. <laughs> exactly. You're not paying yeah. a guy $20 million to play on the bench, and Harrison what? Barnes has been a good side piece Doncic beside Jordan. Doncic could be the shooting guard, though. He could, be the, he could go to the two. Again, though, that's a reach. That's fair to say that's a reach for him to go to the Dallas Mavericks, and, and that's probably the most like realistic place that, that he could get traded I, to, like, right? Honestly, yeah. I mean, other than the Lakers. Like the expectation, but then you're putting Kevin Love back with LeBron, <laughs> <laughs> and then what? Are you try to trade for Irving? Uh, yeah, you're right. He's a hard fit. That's why I said like Dallas is for me. In my mind, I guess is the only other. Fit. I, I don't see like the Clippers reaching on him because I don't think they want him and Tobias Harris's or two max contract. That'd be weird. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's enough room on teams like OKC who could you know like enough cap room to right. actually make that happen, um, and then. Flipping sides, like going to the Eastern Conference, I don't know somewhere like like Charlotte. I was gonna say, Clippers could could make sense, but they do have the god of Tobias Harris, you know, blocking his position. So yeah, and it's it's a weird fit. Yeah, too. I don't think it'd be great there. Um, yeah, no, it's it's hard to find a fit for him. Like maybe Memphis and putting Jaron Jackson Jr. on the bench, but again, I don't like the Kevin Love Marcus All front court. It seems a little I mean, slow. The, the only me. other place that I could see being a fit, and they're like a fringe playoff team. New York Knicks? No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Miami Heat. Miami Heat, yeah. And because again, Miami Heat. Black star power. Yeah, and they were linked to Jimmy Butler earlier. So just the, the fact alone that, you know, you can tell that they're looking for that star. They have that reputation of of being a team that really likes to grind their players. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Maybe Kevin Love would be great with sort of a whole reset. I remember thinking about last in the summer when they offered him a four-year $120 million contract and thinking to myself, that seems like pretty fair money for a guy like Kevin Love, but in retrospect, Cleveland definitely overpaid for him a $30 million a year because if he didn't re-sign with Cleveland, who the fuck is giving him that money? I think someone would have at the time. Really? $30 million per season? I do. I honestly, just because of the championship, like, again, what he brought to the table at the time, he wasn't going through as many injuries. He didn't have that sort of, you know, um, not to say it's really affected his game, who knows, like, the the sort of mental health issues as well that he's talking mm-hmm. about. Like he didn't, none of that was a, even remotely a topic. He was coming off a championship, right? right? So it's kind of hard to, but I, I just see him fitting into Miami solely because of the fact that they're looking for a superstar and because him and Hassan Whiteside, I think for the same reason you were saying Jabari Parker is good with Gobert, mm-hmm. I think Whiteside and Kevin Love is like the upgraded version of that. Well, I think when it comes to contracts, I, I believe Whiteside would have to be Involved in some capacity. I'm more of a fan of a Kelly Olenek. Kevin Love, stretch four or five front court. You can add Kelly Olenek. So are you a fan of defense? Um, <laughs> all right, uh, let's another, talk about another team that could be major players uh, when it comes to potential trades. Is the New York Knicks. Um, obviously, the Knicks are in star chasing mode. Uh, maybe there's a couple guys on that team that are part of their long-term plans. But right now, I think anything could happen. Everyone is tradable, including oh, you and... Yeah. Including you, Ennis Cantor. Um, so going after you know Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, etc. A um, couple guys that I think could be trade chips depending on cap space and fit. Courtney Lee, twelve point eight million in 2019-2020. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr.'s owed nineteen million through 2020-21. Do you think these guys? Well, Courtney Lee could probably get traded. Do you think anyone's going to be able to or want to take in Tim Hardaway Jr.'s contract based on his skill set? 
I think so. And what I team mean, do you think would want to make that trade? The only problem is, like, I, I do think that they would. The only problem a GM would have is that, again, they're getting so many... They're getting a lot more minutes on New York right now, just based on their roster, than they would on any, on any other team. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't be brought in to be the primary scorer anywhere. They'd be bring, brought in to go come off the bench at you know at probably at best as the sixth man. So it's it's hard for me to see a GM really wanting to spend. It's not that much money again. Like when you consider Norman Powell makes eleven million dollars a year, right? Yet we still built the roster the Raptors have around that. It's not like it's like the be all end all to a salary cap. So, yeah, I think it's worth a shot, and that's where I think he'll get traded to someone like a Washington Wizards or something like that, who can afford sort of to take on that salary for one year just to maybe see if there's a spark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially after the trade, we'll get to in a second, kind of depleted their bench a bit. Um, there's also a couple names out there. Cavs obviously made a pretty interesting trade earlier this season, flipping Kyle Korver to the Utah Jazz for Alec Burks, Corver who's currently went, home. went back home to the Mormon State. Uh, Burks averaging roughly $11.5 million, one year left in his contract. I know he's been sort of inconsistent, Martin Finger, last couple of years, but he is a pretty decent, you know, streaky offensive option off the bench. Is he someone like the maybe the Rockets or even the Pelicans would consider bringing in? Ooh, the Pelicans. Uh, well, that's a, that's a good point. We can also talk about this as well. Do you think the Pelicans are going to offload their next year, 2019, first rounder, plus like a salary, like Solomon Hill or whatever, for a proper wing because Etwan Moore is a great basketball player, but at six foot four, he is a defensive liability. In I honestly a lot of think that they're kind of strapped right now into terms of what they can do, just simply because Anthony Davis's contract. Uh, I, they're almost like in the same situation as the Raptors, except way worse because they're so dependent on Anthony Davis, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to us, you know, being eight and one or whatever it is. And every decision they have to make, every trade they have to make, is paying heed to victory in the immediate, as opposed to. A, a pragmatic sort of a gradual yeah yeah no absolutely so i I'd, i i kind of see them staying pat to be honest with you i don't mm-hmm. like i guess the argument would be the counter argument would be you have to do everything you can to keep anthony davis right and therefore you have to do you know go on a big run and everything but it's mm-hmm. i don't know for me the franchise is kind of handcuffed right now just well, a couple, because of the decision couple interesting uh like free agent signings. Like I know Julius Randle's playing some fantastic basketball off the bench for them. But again, it's a low efficiency, you know, uh interior presence coming off the bench, making about eight and a half million dollars a season. That could have been a wing option. You know what I mean? I know there wasn't a glut of three new guys out there, but even like um like uh, James Ennis on the on the Houston Rockets, for example, would pay huge dividends for this ro- for this team. Um, so we'll see what happens if they do eventually make a trade. But Alex Burks could potentially be one of those guys. Uh, I just meant I know I'm, I jokingly mentioned Jeremy Lin earlier, but he could be a serviceable guy coming off the bench for a lot of teams. It's funny though because when they're clicking, we've seen it when they face the Raptors, the Pelicans specifically. Mm-hmm. But when they're clicking, like they're three point shooters with Etwan Moore and, and Drew Holiday, mm-hmm. like, they're they're a pretty scary team. They're hard to beat. Um, when Anthony Davis is doing whatever he wants inside, and then they're also hitting threes. It kind of reminded me of like the old Orlando Magic when they had Dwight Howard in his peak. Right. And he was just, and he was surrounded by shooters. You're right. They need a better wing option, like a really good one. I just don't see them making a big splash. If anything, they're going to do something for like a mid tier guy, kind of like a Courtney Lee, like we were saying earlier. Right. But Jeremy Lin, uh, uh, for me, like coming off the injury, it's tough. Uh, I don't know if he's as good as he once was. Trust me, I love Jeremy Lin. <laughs> I love Jeremy Lin, and Brandon's giving me that look right now. Of, How on. dare you? You're, you're we, going against we your are Filipino half Asian, heritage. You have right to now. support Jeremy Lin. I know that, but 
I don't know. I don't think he's the player he was. I mean, obviously he's not, but I don't think he's even remotely the player he was. No more Lynn Sandy. All right. Uh, sorry, Asians everywhere. <laughs> so let's talk about an actual trade that went down. So a little bit of a kerfuffle before the trade. Adrian Wojnarowski was trying to tweet about <laughs> so what was happening with this trade. The trade as proposed originally would have sent Ariza from the Suns to the Wizards. Uh, Kelly Oubre from the Wizards to Memphis Grizzlies and uh, Rivers. God, why am I forgetting Doc's son's name? Austin? Austin. There we go. Austin Rivers from the Wizards to the Suns. The Grizzlies would have sent Wayne Selden to the Suns. Um, a player named Brooks also was involved, but that ended wait, wait. up as a hiccup to the deal. Wait, which which Brooks are you talking about? Oh, oh, we'll get to that for a second. The Suns thought the Grizzlies would be sending them Dylan Brooks. Grizzly officials thought it was Marshawn Brooks they'd be trading. So a big Duh. kerfuffle. The trade was just did not go down. It eventually became uh, Trevor Ariza going to the Washington Wizards for Kelly Oubre Jr. and Austin Rivers. Uh, I guess we'll look at the actual trade first. Look, how, how do you fuck this up, though? Like, how do you fuck up the lines of dialogue like that? Marshawn to Dylan Brooks. I mean, I guess in both of their minds, like Memphis just thought in their mind, like there's no chance we're trading Dylan Brooks. These guys are making so millions of dollars a year. Marshawn Brooks. <laughs> right. And in Phoenix's minds, they're like, there's no way we're doing this trade unless it's Dylan Brooks. So I think classic mix-up. Well, and Memphis gets screwed the most in this whole situation, right? Uh, well, 100%. Yeah. yeah, and they're looking for trades. You can tell. If anything, Memphis is going to be active. Mm -hmm. um, they're a team that's definitely looking for to upgrade. Alec Burks! <laughs> Alec Burks. Jeremy Lin! So, uh, as I just mentioned... Wizards but it was get... hilarious. It was like a pre-detonated wash bomb. Yeah, yeah. Well, he wasn't wrong, right? I know. And like Just to watch, follow his Twitter that day, because I think the same day that happened, he came out with his new show, yeah. Zach Lowe. And like, you know, wait, shout, shout out to Zach Lowe, the best basketball writer in the world and the best basketball podcast, at least in my opinion. All right, I agree. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Hard facts on the Toronto Sport Matters podcast. Um, I was going to say us, but yeah, okay. Uh, I, I just, okay, looking at this trade, you know, ESPN does trade grades. Some teams get like an A plus, B, yeah, C, yeah, D, yeah. etc. They basically both got failed grades for making a trade. Can you explain this to me? Because someone has to win this trade. Well, that the ESPN trade thing is also notorious for, for not being 100% accurate, right? Like they... they they go like off like the the no. Fan it's a subjective opinion. Of. I know that, but it, or, or like, uh, like I just I can't. I don't get it. It's like a Someone has opinion. to win a trade. Someone yeah. has to get the better hand. Who the fuck? Had, who who do, who won this trade? It has to be the Suns, right? I suppose. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I I guess. No, I think the Wizards win the trade because they get a reason back. Well, so it's it's basically Trevor Reza for Kelly Oubre Jr. Both have one year left from their contract. Yeah. Kelly Oubre Jr. does have substantially more upside than Trevor Ariza, who's a little bit more, more or less a, a body on the court now who can drain no, the three-point shot. Yeah, but I think right now Trevor Ariza is a better basketball player to have on your team. Why would the Wizards want to trade for him, just out of curiosity? Because they're trying to win now. They're trying to change the culture now. We need a strong they're, locker room presence. Yeah, they, on, the 12 and 18 Washington Wizards trading a young trade chip in Kelly Oubre Jr. Because they should be 18 and 12 if you look at their roster, like just based on, not the personalities, mm -hmm. but based on the talent. Like, they're a team that should be much better, and I think someone like Kelly Oubre Jr. is, in my mind, someone who's not, is kind of like a, not, I wouldn't say a locker room cancer, <laughs> but, like, he's someone who's, like, obviously not, like, a great presence who's going to, you know, 
be the state. He's not Trevor Ariza in my mind. He's not that veteran who can, you know, come in and calm things down when things are going wrong. Well, like Trevor Ariza is 33. Like he is shooting 38% defense. from the field as well. Kelly Oubre is averaging 13 points per game, shooting 43%. So, I don't know. Kelly Oubre Jr. is clearly a better player right now. Why would they want to get a shittier player? In, like I just it, it confuses me. I just don't understand. I don't know. See, I, I don't know. In my mind, Kelly Oubre Jr. Like if you're talking about like potential teams that not would that, that would bring in Trevor Ariza, you might be. We're gonna make a list of efficient. We make all a list of all the teams that bring in fucking Trevor Ariza. The Washington Wizards would never be on that list. I'm so dumbfounded by why yeah, they would want to bring him in the first place. Okay, so ignore. Okay, imagine this. It's the off season this year. So ignore Trevor Ariza's recent stint with the Suns. Mm-hmm. Imagine he's still coming off this great run with the Rockets. He After missing an, he eight, 13 three-point shots. <laughs> he was an integral piece to the Rockets. Okay. And if he was part of that, if this trade happened then, you'd be like, yeah, okay, Washington's getting a good piece. I don't know. In my mind, Trevor Ariza and the Suns, the, the whole Suns organization is so weird right the, now. Yeah, the more confusing thing about this is that we just mentioned the team doesn't... Um, I think what? it's good for the Wizards. Well, this team does not have a starting point guard. Uh, like, you can look at the roster right now. Um, what they they put Eli Kobo into the G League. Um, they really, they've been playing like what? Like a combination of DeAnthony Melton and Devin Booker as their combo point guard. They don't have a point guard, and yet they released Austin Rivers, who went to the Memphis Grizzlies shortly afterwards. Is it like just more of a testament to how much of a locker room cancer? I know we use that word already about Kelly Oubre, but is it more of a testament to how much of a locker room cancer Rivers is as opposed like, I, I just don't understand why you would release a guy who's at least a serviceable point guard on a team that doesn't have a point guard. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Austin Rivers, I've never been a fan of him. Um, mm-hmm. Honestly, he's kind of surprised me with how good he's become. Like, I don't think he's a good that good of a player, but I thought he was awful before he got into the NBA, and the only reason he was in it was because of his dad. Well, he was like 11th overall pick or something. Yeah, right? being a lottery guy. On the, but uh, I, for me, I don't know. Like, Austin Rivers is kind of the answer they need right now, especially short term. Like, why would you not roll the dice and have an actual point guard on the team in Austin Rivers who could, who's done it before with the Clippers and has had success? Well, you saw what happened last year to the Grizzlies when Mike Conley missed the entire season. They were playing with the Harrison brothers at point guard, right? They, they had no, they were grass. But that just, that signals to me they're just not, they're not done yet, okay. right? Like, they're, they're going to get a point guard in my mind. But you're right. They should have done it sooner rather than later. What's the point of waving him when you have people on your team that are, that are two-way contract players that you could easily just have that spot reserve, like easily take over. In my mind, the Suns organization's kind of weird right now, all all around. So we'll, we'll jump. Were they talking about moving the Phoenix Suns? Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Actually, okay, we can talk okay. about this very briefly because that's something I want to touch base on. So we're gonna yeah, jump Phoenix to is a hole for organizations. So this segment's this little tidbits, little pieces of news, obscure pieces of news rather that I'm gonna talk about right now. Surprising Christian, not telling him that I have this information already or these topics that I want to discuss. Dun, 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 First one I'm gonna bring up, Spence. Big shout out to Spencer Dinwiddie on the Brooklyn Nets. Okay, just yeah, big awesome. shout out. The guy was a journeyman his entire career. Played for the Pistons, played for the Bulls for years, and got a really big three-year, thirty-four million dollar contract for him. So big shout out to him. But the reason why I'm bringing up his name right now is that the guy, his entire career, can never get a shoe contract. He was never good enough to garner a shoe contract with Adidas, Nike, even Fair. et cetera, et cetera. Right. So now, surely, he should be able to get a shoe contract, but instead, he designs his own shoes based off his own sketches. That guy goes on the court every single night, fuck sponsorship, fuck corporate money, I got paid by my team, and I'm going to wear what I want to wear. And I think it's a refreshing breath of 
air, I guess. <laughs> a refreshing uh, breath of air. There we go. I got that right. Wait, so you're... And, the, and like the, the world of like self-branding and like all that social media bullshit. So and what you're saying to me is he's like a younger LeVar Ball. He is. No, but he's not selling his shoes for $500 a pop. He's he, making what, them What is he himself. doing with the shoes after he wears them? Because he's getting new ones every game, right? Like, he's got to, first of all, there's got to be a brand of shoe that he's designing on top of. Or is this just like, he makes the shoe... Like, how does this work? What do you mean? <laughs> well, I'll read you the quote. We're taught to have this brand loyalty and to just be completely infatuated with the idea of family, said Spencer. Uh, but Nike's never the- actually going to be my family. My family is Malcolm, Stephanie, my parents, my little brother, my son. That's my family. I'm not looking for that in a brand. When you... Uh, when you kind of distance yourself from that specific thinking, you can break the mold of, hey, why do I really like the shoe? Is it because I like the shoe or is it because I like the brand or I feel emotionally attached to this brand? So I just think it's refreshing that he's doing his own thing as opposed to so many fucking NBA players. The, the automatic thing is get that shoe contract, which makes sense. You make millions See, of fucking dollars. But I'm just saying like I just uh, an individual. It's like it's not, no selling out. I love that. In the UFC, there used to be a fighter named Mac Danzig, and all these fighters on their shirts would have like these dick pill medication bullshit sponsorships. And he came out one day and he had a shirt that said not for sale. And I think it's refreshing in sport, which is dominated by corporate interests and multi-billion dollar corporations trying to have their hand in the sport. I got like Spencer Dinwiddie is saying, fuck the man and I'm going to be my own self. I know it's a very stupid thing to say sometimes, but that's that's my thought on it. I mean, I work in advertising, so I I, I, I can I, I understand where you're coming from as well. I'm just kind of well, more for me it like up. it just comes down to like you might as well get yours while you can, right? Like who knows tomorrow Spencer Dinwiddie could have an injury tonight. Great point. Great right point, now great he could point. have an injury and it could be career. Who knows, right? Like you just you kind of have to make it what you can. Like you said, he's been a journeyman his whole life. In my like for my mind, you work up to get to that point where you can. Be free. I mean, sure, maybe after your contract expires, after you've signed one and you've made $20 million from it, then you, then you start thinking of doing your own brand or your own thing. But I, I, I respect I respect it. For there sure. we go. There we go. Respect it. Uh, second uh, point I want to make in this little segment we're having right now. Do you know what Surprise Ro- news. Robert Did Williams' you- nickname is on the Boston Celtics? Wait, who? You know Robert Williams, right? Oh, yeah, the the truck. Or, wait, what? Who? What? On the Celtics. So, so Robert Williams famously drafted, misses flight to Boston, then misses flight afterwards to another team meeting. <laughs> His nickname? Ready for this? Time Lord. <laughs> time Lord. I love it. I love it. He's getting some playing time right now. Um, he apparently Robert's fine with the nickname. Danny Ainge wants better for him, clearly. But I think it's probably one of the funnest nicknames in the NBA. Yeah, and since we're on surprise facts, did you know that Danny Ainge not only played for the Blue Jays but was the youngest player ever in the franchise what? history to hit a home run? Danny Ainge, eh? Danny Ainge was not only drafted by the Blue Jays, he played for the Blue Jays and was the youngest player. I think second baseman is what he was. The, to hit a, uh, I think I believe it was a home run in franchise history. So I surprised you with that fact, didn't I? He's the poor man's Kyler Murray. Exactly. But no, he ended up playing uh, basketball. But yes, yes, he was drafted to the Blue Jays and played for the Blue Jays. Uh, so the last thing I want to bring up was the Phoenix Suns and Robert Sarver. You just mentioned they were potentially going to move. They're not going to move. But the whole situation was um, Robert Sarver is demanding $150 million of public money for new arena renovations. Um, citizens went to a council meeting recently, a couple days ago, and voiced their frustration and concern with having to invest so much tax money toward building a fucking stadium for <laughs> arguably one of the most incompetent uh, owners and NBA organizations in the league.
league who've done no favors for their fan base whatsoever. I think we can obviously have a laundry list of fuck ups they've had. They could, we'll bring up the Isaiah Thomas trade, drafting Josh Jackson, etc., etc., etc. The list goes on and on and on and on and on. Jackson's um, gonna pan out. But I'm gonna play a little clip here quickly of uh, Phoenix resident Greta Rogers just owning Rogers. owning Robert Sarver. We'll listen to that clip very, very quickly here. Mr. Sarver has done nothing to improve this team in the 14 years he's owned it. He's never funded or bought, paid for two or three key players, which make any sports team, professional sports team, successful or on the road to success. He's so tight, he squeaks when he walks. Oh shit! And you have been <laughs> negotiating with this kind of person? Shame on each and all of you. And upon you, Ed, I thought your principles were higher and better than this. Ooh. Oh shit, Ed. We are not in the business of paying taxes to support private enterprise. And, and especially not an entertainment enterprise. They can support themselves or fail on their own lack of diligence. Don't do this to us again. And make your, make your considerations and discussions with the private sector public. We fund this city. Thank you. It isn't funded by private enterprise. I love that. I love that, by the way. Um, just fantastic that someone's like at least sticking up for the city of Phoenix. Like, just get your fucking shit together, Robert Sarver. Build a competent organization. How many first round picks do you need to just like, like just draft somebody. Like, get fucking get somebody. Hopefully, Johnny Aiden works out. He's still mm-hmm. fucked up. He didn't draft Luka Doncic. We've Josh Axe is nothing. We've seen it in the past, too, where like people do this. They, they get public money. The franchise actually somehow turns out good. And then they sell it for $2 billion or something, and they, they're the ones who profit. It's like saying Cronky on the Rams when he moved yeah. to Los Angeles. They're all just a bunch of scumbags. Where's Greg when you need him? This guy would be going off right now. All right, guys. Owners! Owners, I hate you all. All right, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back hopefully next week. I know it's Christmas time, so we'll have to figure out scheduling well, for the next show. Let's get drunk and do a Christmas show. I think Greg would be down for that. Yeah, we won't. Uh, yeah, we'll, let's see how that goes. All right, uh, yeah, let's get shit face and do one together, and we'll, uh, we'll see how that, that works out. Uh, Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Um, happy holidays. Happy holidays, and catch us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, etc., etc., etc. Follow the, that Instagram. Follow our Instagram. What's your Instagram handle? T Sport Matters, just like our Twitter. There we go. Go, raps, go. Best team in the NBA. Peace out, Toronto.